0: hi it's calvin here with more than isms extra um i'm happy that you're listening and i'm here with a special guest co-host um did you go by laura or ellie
1: Oh, Laura. Laura!
0: Ellie is my sister. Oh, <laughs> I see. I so have Laura and Dino. Yes. Here, um, we're at 5:40 West Main. It's a beautiful Friday afternoon. Um, every Friday, we have 5:40 five, um, um, open hours. So, those of you who are listening in Rochester, if you want to connect with 5:40 West Main, usually our hours are like based on our class, our course calendar. Um, and I'm just, um, I'm meeting Laura for the first time, so I'm gonna just share a little bit of, of my background with her but i think it's good for listeners because uh, as we're growing our membership lore um, people are like connecting with 540 and supporting us who may not even live in rochester oh, wow. so just having this like little background history about me is good for those who are listening from other other places all around the world which is really cool so um, i'm the founding director of 540 west maine and we just we're just coming into going into our fourth quarter of our third year of operation Um, I'm a Rochester native, so I grew up here, and I went to to high school here. I went to high school, actually, in Brockport. I was in the urban-suburban program, um, and so I went sixth grade to my senior year. I was at Brockport, and then I went to RIT for grad and undergrad, and um, then I moved away in 2000. This is, like, a really quick background. I moved away in 2011, and went down to Nashville, Tennessee, actually, for, like, a second career. Um... I my I have two graduate degrees. One is in systems health or systems administration from RIT, and then that was in twenty two thousand nine when I got that degree. And I was in the economy tank, and I couldn't find a job. Like I I was like I had just bought a townhouse like the year like in the the summer of 20, 2009. and by December I got laid off from the University of Rochester because my position was grant funded and they lost the grant. And at the time, I was, like, I had, I had, like, done everything. Like, you know, like, I had it all together. I had six months of savings and had just bought a townhouse out in Churchville, for chi actually, which is a suburb, because I was tired of living in the city. And um, it became a year of just, like, the job surge and all of that. So I ended up moving away because I started subbing and got sort of the education bug and thought that I could really support urban education as a teacher and so I went down and did this really fast-tracked alternative teacher pathway in Tennessee and ended up working in a high-needs district down in Nashville and then um, around that time before I moved was when I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia which is a chronic autoimmune illness and that really changed the course of my life and so Long story short, I ended up needing to return back home because most of my family is here and I the stress of teaching and some other things happened that just didn't go well with me health-wise. So I moved back here, but before I moved back here, I started blogging. I started the Gluten-Free Chef blog. I was also diagnosed with celiac disease and just started sort of just like, it was just a way for me to connect with friends and sort of, I was like bed bound for like six months and that at that like literally like, pretty much capacitated, capacitated to the bed in Nashville so I just like I, I, I remember I with one of my like few final paychecks I bought a macbook and I was just like writing blogging and it just sort of grew from there so um I started connecting with people all over the world and just just digital content I didn't really know about blogging and creating digital content and so my love of writing really grew and I like to say that that's sort of where my this this sort of entrepreneurial spirit and career was born from that experience. So fast forward to twenty sixteen is when I met some great people who are trying to continue to uplift and enrich the Susan B Anthony neighborhood that we are, that we're in currently. Um, and um, here we are. So it's really it's really like a really fast pace. But um, my, I love community and people and teaching. And I love doing that through, through like in person experiences, but also through social media. And it's just really been interesting over the last almost ten years how the way that we communicate has changed with oh, social yeah. media. Um, oh, yeah. So tell listeners a little bit about your career. We're getting a little bit into it. So okay. you're originally from the Bronx, I am. Um, and now you're here. I am. New York.
1: You know what? And people always get a little. Um, they always get a little. Oh, yeah, weirded out. Like, why are you in Rochester from the Bronx or New York City? And it's, it's yeah. kind of... It goes to a little on what you were touching on, the community. Really, there's nowhere in the planet that I've been that you really get that sense of people really want you to succeed. Right. And that's kind of what I love about this, this place is that the energy... Like, you see amazing people doing crazy things. Like, mm-hmm. e- even this organization, like, in at a lot of other places... Small, building, small local businesses like this are kind of brought down, but you have a lot of neighborhood associations, a lot of coalitions, and a lot of major donors just trying to get the community up and running. And it's funny because if you kind of look at the backbone of what a lot of these organizations and who's running them, mm-hmm. it's usually people from out of town or right. people who have been away and then just felt that calling to come back home. Yeah.
0: So, what did you, what did you study at Rockport and what did, when did you graduate like from undergrad?
1: Uh, communications in 2013. Okay. And, yeah, Brockport was amazing, and that's yeah. definitely how I ended up staying. Was that one of
0: your, school? like, like top choices, Brockport Coming to was, upstate New York from downstate?
1: Yes. Brockport was actually my top choice. Uh, yeah. Me being a rebellious teenager, I just had to, had to get as far away from my parents. From New York, yeah, City. you know how you know people how are, like, it going to New York. Yes.
0: What was it like growing up in New York for you? Just, like, the energy of New York, like, do you feel... Because you said you went back, like, yes. professionally. I so did. You're coming you How long have you been back in Rochester?
1: Well, um, I actually uh, lived a lot of my life in Honduras, which is oh, in okay. Central America, yeah. and then I moved to the Bronx and okay. went to high school in the Bronx. It's definitely different. Uh, growing up in the Bronx, it was, I went to an all-girl Catholic high school, so okay. you, you never are from the Bronx if that's where you go, and right. then... Uh, But I loved it. The people, the culture, it was just the energy. Obviously, it's New York. There's nowhere like it. But professionally, I stayed here in Rochester. And then when I went back to New York for a job opportunity, it really didn't... uh, It was amazing. I learned so much. But it it just kind of gets to the point where you as a person want to take what you've learned and all that you've seen and want to bring it back to a place where you can actually put that good and do some significant change. There's yeah. a lot of people doing great stuff here. Like, I can list and list all the organizations yeah. that are making a serious impact. Yeah. And I don't know. I would, I would love to be a part of that. Like, Well,
0: what, just I'm out of curiosity, because so many people I know, you think about, like, why come to Rochester? Like, yeah. Why come to this, like, the smallish... It's not a small, small city, but it's not the largest city. There's not as many people here as there is in New York City. But I'm just thinking about, like, the energy... What makes it like for you personally, what made it like there 's a lot to do in New York City as well like some of the conversations that we have so we our our focus areas at five forty are the arts wellness and anti racism, mm-hmm. and in that we talk a lot about gentrification um development place mm-hmm. um there there 's a lot of that conversation in New York talking about like Harlem and how the cityscape of New York is changing and it 's becoming yeah. more and more expensive to live there. And New York State has always been different from the rest of the state of New York in terms of like, like they have rent right, control in New York's still, and that's something that like other places like Rochester were just now sort of like, it's that's returning to sort of get some of that. Mm-hmm. But like, what made you say like I don't think that this is New York City is the place for me to sort of like apply my talents just in terms of like being a change maker? Well, that's an
1: that's an amazing question. Yeah. Um, Even the area from the Bronx that I'm from, it's Mm -hmm. rapidly gentrifying. Like, it's not the same as it was two years ago, let alone Mm -hmm. five, ten years ago. I think, for me, one of the things that makes it significantly different in Rochester is the people. Okay. When you're in New York City, you can shout all you want. You can say whatever you want. Oftentimes, you feel like you're not actually implementing change. Everything still stays the same. There's rampant corruption. There is nothing that you can feel actually good about kind of like stopping that it's going to happen there's nothing you can do about that oftentimes but in rochester you have local people actually impacting public policy Mm -hmm. you have a government that obviously the government sometimes gets bogged down by red tape but you Mm -hmm. actually have people that can actually change things you can actually go into neighborhood associations and say how can we benefit local businesses how can we stop dispersing like low-income families from these neighborhoods and obviously within rochester there are a lot of neighborhoods that are going through gentrification mm-hmm. there are still a lot of issues that are plaguing our inner city and our school system needs to be revamped completely but mm-hmm. there are people that genuinely care and people Yo. that are actually going to make an impact and it's not the the multi or it's not like all these other major organizations—it's mm-hmm. small people implementing small changes. It's people actually showing up, and right. that's what continues to amaze me about this place—is the people that actually show up. You yeah. go to these meetings, and it's like everybody's showing up. Right. And that's that's really what brings it home for me—is the the heart of people. I
0: don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so talk a little bit about like what you're what you're working on professionally now. Um, you're with is it Keller Williams Realty yes. Group?
1: Yes, I'm the director of marketing for the Genome team at okay. Keller Williams, and uh, it they are kind of uh, one of the reasons I love Rochester as well. Yeah. It's a lot of people just kind of showing up and just you know what the Rochester housing market is insane right now, but like they really do genuinely care mm-hmm. about like everyone and it's mm-hmm. kind of it's jarring coming from commercial real estate where it's very cold very numbers based like we don't actually meet our buyers we don't meet our sellers so to actually have work with a company that's so involved with the community that's willing to just kind of help everyone out Mm -hmm. and see how they're impacting change in their own ways it's it's really exciting i didn't want to come back to rochester and just work for another faceless organization right
0: yeah so how long have you been in your current role as director of marketing
1: uh, within within here, uh, I think I'm going on two weeks next week. Oh two, months, two months. Two months. Two months okay. next week. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. One of the things, so we're going to sort of wrap in some hot topics as we get to know each other and, and talk. But one of the things, so talking about housing and home ownership, um, I think in terms of like thinking about how do we counteract gentrification is getting low income families, families who do not have generational wealth, which is a lot of black, Hispanic, mm-hmm. people of color families, not only in Rochester, but just all in urban areas all across the country, but specifically here, since you know, this is our city and our point of reference, um, I was, so on, on, on Wednesday, on Illinois Street, which is in a neighborhood called the North Whitten Village, um, there was an explosion, like a gas explosion, and as some of the details are coming out, the homeowner was, had, his house was foreclosed on, we're finding out through the media and he had been trying to save his home and it's we don't have all the details but it's very much looking like maybe some sort of like purposeful the house had been sold within this week and so it's just devastating when some of these pieces are coming together like people are losing their homes and it's you know gentrification is a part of that so we don't know all the details of this situation but i do know people who've they you, even if you fall behind just a couple months on, on a mortgage which for many families you're like one paycheck away from that and the government has made it really difficult they'll take over your home in a heartbeat if you if you don't know the rights that you have mm-hmm. um, one of the organizations that I work really closely with and we actually co-plan on um, the anti-gentrification conference that we host have been hosting since 2017 is City Roots Community Land Trust so I don't know how much you're familiar with land trust, but sort of the, the general tr- premise of the land trust is to basically um, empower neighborhoods, specifically ne- low-income neighborhoods, which more often than not are neighborhoods of color, to to learn how they can basically own the land, own, own land, so that they have control over the land, so that they can keep a, an area that doesn't become gentrified. For instance, like we see near a college, n- near the University of Rochester, to the point where now the tax bracket is rising and then people who maybe you've lived in your home for 20 years but then you, even if you pay your home off, if you get behind on the taxes, Mm -hmm. that's a way for the government to come in and you lose your home so one of the things that I'm always asking people in the real estate market is like is there anything that realtors or that you see that your firm is doing that can help educate people on the rights that they have so that they don't like, of course, we want to get people in home, but we also want them to, to be able to afford them long-term.
1: Yeah. Well, you bring up a lot of good points. Yeah. And it's, unfortunately, one of those things where I, I would love to say it's easy as, like, one, two, three, ABC, this is what we're doing, but it's a lot of things that don't necessarily, in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. and obviously does not reflect the, the visions and views of um, my employer, but when... You have situations like this, there's a lot of things at play, and Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's not just proper taxes and um, people not being able to afford their mortgages. A lot of times what it is, it's uh, a lack of education and a lack of kind of telling a person buying a home what the terms of their actual contract is. So a lot of times people, they work extremely hard, they save away their money, and Mm -hmm. they have enough to buy a home. Mm -hmm. But when they're applying for their loan, they're not... Exactly made clear, like, and it, this is not like realtors, this is like banks, even context. The right. They're not made clear on like what an adjustable rate is. They're not clear on like, all right, what happens if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, then your interest rate goes up. Right. It's a lot of things that go into that aspect. And then there's a lot of other aspects that go into your government, your city government, your county government, changing the district lines and changing right. the lines that actually can. Attribute to an increase in property taxes can attribute to many other things that just create this like whirlpool of different things that affect mm-hmm. a lot of low-income neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So, kind of, there's so many things, and I don't know if you ever saw The Big Short. They, I know it's a movie, but they yeah. do an amazing job of kind of like explaining what happens. So, right. when you have a situation where a recession's nearing, interest rates are rising, people aren't really sure what's happening they thought they bought something but it turns out they don't have like all the money that they need or Mm -hmm. even it goes up because to a person who's living paycheck to paycheck a 75 dollar increase means everything right so there's just a lot to play and i I wish i had the answer to kind of say how can we combat this Mm -hmm. but in in reality it just kind of comes down to like Education. Mm-hmm. Like, if we all can kind of just say, you know what, like, it's not about taking these people out of their neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. It's about saying, what systems can we put in place to make sure that a person who's buying a home knows exactly what they're getting into, knows right. exactly what their terms are, and how can we help them if there's ever a month that they're like, okay, like, I can't make my mortgage this month. What can we do? Right. Because, like, I, it's, it's awful, but, like, you have, I I never want to talk with banks. I hate all this stuff. But like, you have banks just doing their job, but it's literally like people not being able to understand completely what's going on. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that you can do to kind of circumvent that. You yep. can get your neighborhood associations involved. You can get, own like pride ownership in your community. Get mm-hmm. everybody involved. Get your neighbor. Get everybody else involved in saying like, hey, like we all have mortgages. Like, what can we do to make sure that our property taxes aren't going up? And yeah. It's
0: right. These systemic yeah, it's, conversations. Yeah, it's in the day to day and doing your, your job and you're taking care of your family and you're going to work, you're going to school, you're just looking at that. The, the statement comes in, yeah. and you're like, oh my God, it's, it's gone up, mm-hmm. or I'm only making like a partial payment, and exactly. then that starts to accrue over time.
1: It accrues. And
0: before you know it, <laughs> you're like three months behind, yeah. and, and then that's when they actually literally start sending the letters. And so, you know, I I, I like this conversation because, you know, there's a lot of systemic things, and it's so easy when you hear these stories. It's like, well, don't get behind on your mark. It's so easy to say that. It,
1: it is. But it's, it it's is, a really but
0: multi-layered.
1: It's, it's very different because I think to a lot of people who aren't living paycheck to paycheck right. and where $75 doesn't mean that much to them, but mm-hmm. a, first, a single mother with three children just trying to get by, like it adds up. And then not only that, it adds to the mental state as well. So when you kind of... With the explosion on Illinois Street, that's mm-hmm. clearly like a, this person was not like he was not well, mm-hmm. and which also begs the question on mental health issues mm-hmm. and a lot of other things and mm-hmm. why no why it was never realized. But that's like a whole other thing. Sure, yeah. But it's it's honestly it's just getting getting the neighborhood associations, getting your government involved because it it really is so multifaceted. Mm-hmm. There's no easy answer, and yeah. it's kind of. It's, it's all over the
0: place. And so, how how would you say? So, I'm I'm gonna ask you a personal question. So, do you how do you do you identify as a Latinx woman? Yes. How do you, okay, yeah. So, as a Latinx woman, um, what do you think? How do you think we're doing as a city in terms of supporting the the, the Latinx community around wealth building, home ownership, and do you do you feel like the representation that you, I mean, not that you represent the entire Latinx community, <laughs> but, but so often, we, we, we do end up as people of color, yeah. you get sort of like one-dimensioned, if that's a word, yeah. like, you do end up representing some, you know, one community, people just assume that maybe you're from Puerto Rico, or you're from Mexico, whatever it is, and, um, or your family, and your background, um, what, well, do you, do you think that, like, how is the city in Rochester, or what do you think are some of the challenges that are impacting the Latinx community? You know, beyond, I mean, of course, talking about home ownership and poverty, these are big issues that are impacting a lot of communities of color, but I want to specifically drill down to, like, your connection with the Latinx community Mm -hmm. um, through through your work or through other other community efforts that you're engaged in. Um, Well, you know what?
1: I would like to say that... It's better than it was. Okay. Uh, before I left, I it was kind. It was just it was lacking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's still lacking, mm-hmm. uh, but I would say that there's a little bit more emphasis on Latinx as a commu- as a whole. Right. Um, it doesn't feel as one dimension as you said, but it's still kind of as a Latinx um, as a Latinx woman. I my experience in the community is completely different than someone who is, could be darker, who can actually be in, like, the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. So it's very kind of, it, it's hard because there are a lot of groups doing amazing things yeah. and that are kind of trying to make a little bit more light for these niche communities. I'm
0: thinking of Ibero when you say that. Yes, like I-Buro is I-Buro. doing
1: amazing stuff. Is
0: Ibero a national organization?
1: I you know, I sure? think it is national, but okay. I don't think they have many chapters throughout. Though, okay. like, I think it's very focused on like the Northeast. But right. I could be completely wrong. Sure. Okay. Someone wants to comment and yeah. point me wrong. That's fine. Okay. But it's um, they're doing amazing things. Latinas Unidas obviously is always doing things. What mm-hmm. they're doing with empowering Latina youth is just beyond fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I'm a little cold. But they could be. Uh, there could be a little bit more to kind of raise awareness to like. Communities, because I think the one thing that I struggle with is slight microaggressions sure. in the community. Yeah. I think a lot of the rhetoric that a lot of organizations use are not really conducive to having a good conversation about how we can actually better the Latinx community. Mm-hmm. And can you
0: give an example, maybe without oh. <laughs> naming any organization specifically, or um. just an anecdotal example to help us?
1: I th- I think the media could definitely okay, without yeah. giving uh, kind of names. I think the media can definitely do a better job at not having clickbaity headlines concerning the community, or all communities. But right. I think- so
0: one thing I'm thinking about when you say that is like so we just had um, the 50th annual Puerto Rican festival here in Rochester, which is um, one of very few like as long as long one of the longest running mm-hmm. um, ethnic for lack of a better word, festivals um, in any city, really. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 50 year start. Yeah, one of the com- the conversations this year a lot is, is the media stig- the media is stigmatizing the Puerto Rican festival as being something that's unsafe yeah. because what has happened over the last several years is that there are, like, after parties after the festival that, that sometimes end up where people are having a little bit too much fun and not being as considerate in terms yeah. of, like... Um, driving and they shouldn't be or having parades in the street whatever you want to say and there has been concern that the media is painting these very broad brush that these are related to the festival where in fact the, the festival itself is very safe mm-hmm. but in addition to that the way that the media covers a festival... So Rochester, every summer, has a lot of festivals. Yes, There's the Park Ave Fest, the Lilac Fest, the yeah. Clarissa Street Festival. We have a lot of festivals, and that's really something that people love about our city. Um, you don't necessarily... The way that the media, local media, um, talks about and covers a Park Avenue festival or oh, yeah. a Lilac Festival is very different than the Puerto Rican festival. Yeah. And there was more conversation about that this year. Um, and it's been interesting to see... So what some of the, the feelings of people in the Latinx community have about that. Do you have, like, what are your thoughts specifically related to that particular oh. issue?
1: Oh, yeah, I could go on forever. But, no, it's, um I think the conversation is a little louder this year mm-hmm. because there was situations at Park Ave Fest that put it in light. It's, right. It's, you can no longer del- deny kind of the clear night and day difference. The Puerto Rican Fest, like, has 50 years running Mm -hmm. it's 50 years running for a reason we have a vibrant community here in Rochester Park Ave Fest it's this art art festival you Mm -hmm. walk through Park Ave but this year there was a full block of people just partying on the street completely blocking traffic you had people throwing bottles at police officers and when you kind of talk about microaggressions it's people saying oh well they were just having fun you were just having fun and No, that's privilege. It's Mm -hmm. privilege to be able to throw a bottle at a cop and not be afraid for your life. If that were to happen at the Puerto Rican Fest, it'd be shut down for the rest forever. Mm -hmm. So, and you bring up a good point. The actual festival in itself is very safe. It's very Mm family-friendly. You have food. You have people partaking in their culture, which is ultimately a huge part of who a person is. Mm -hmm. But, and there is outliers of people having house parties sure. but not to the extent of what happened on thayer street not to the extent of the fight that broke out next to blue wolf mm-hmm. these are all things that are as a community we could be doing better to control our media and i guess that's a conversation as a whole for mm-hmm. our entire country but uh there shouldn't be a situation where uh these, chil- these children these children Young adults are mm-hmm. throwing things and harassing police officers, but in another situation in a different part of town, something similar right. but not to that extent goes down, and it's it's all out. And that really is where we can be doing as a community is holding these organizations accountable. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I think you're, you're it's so true, and one of the things that I notice in our city is on, the, on East Avenue every Friday and Saturday night, it's almost as if the police is is protecting so you have a lineup of bars down east avenue near downtown and i live in that area and it's almost as if the police are like stationed to like people are stumbling in the street mm-hmm. jaywalking all of these things and it's almost as if you know that well first of all it, it would look very different if these bars were like predominantly for people of color um it would just be policed very different one of the things that really upset me recently that happened so rochester has a new police chief laran singletary and one of the things that he said in response to this conversation is that um the rochester police department is not policing um ethnic groups of people differently so white people comp- comparing latinx people and you know, we talked about it on the podcast before, and I was like, is he living under a rock? Because there's a whole conversation right now about the Police Accountability Board in Rochester because nationally we have had a continued conversation about black and brown people being over-policed, um, too much force, being killed in the hands of the police, and this this sense that police officers... Are being trained and there's a stigma that you're fearing for your life when you're interacting with people of color that's impacting the way that you're policing people of color and what we see is that um, when you talk about police brutality, police violence, if you're a person of color, a man of color, a woman of color, you're more likely to die in the hands of the police than other communities of people and that's a conversation that we're having here locally that I want to hear your thoughts on as well
1: well obviously it's it's an issue nationwide Mm -hmm. that has not it's being addressed but it's not something that it's not moving quick enough but and this kind of goes to like my first point in rochester like that is definitely an area that it there's room for improvement Mm -hmm. obviously everyone needs to be safe like like all all communities need to be safe like the latinx community the mm-hmm. african-american community inner city everybody needs to be safe like police but the good thing about rochester is that the conversations are happening and right. while it's local i wish it was nationwide like i like i said moved back two months ago so i'm not sure like the whole what they're doing now but Yo. i think it's something that if people are willing to start implementing the change it is something that isn't going to change overnight mm-hmm. but it is something that in rochester we can kind of start focusing on um i i'm not really sure what are, what would your take be on how can we actually like well, fix okay, that?
0: before we talk about sort of like actions i want to get your perspective on like do you think in your perspective having grown up in new york and, and been back as an adult around this conversation of policing what do you think has it gotten better in new york would you say or it's kind of just like relatively speaking
1: um See, I think I would like to say it's gotten better. Mm-hmm. I would like to, but that's and that's from my my privilege. Right. That is from my perspective. And yeah. like I said, everyone experiences their race and their culture significantly different. Mm-hmm. Um, members of my own family experience Rochester different just for slightly being darker and having more indisus hair, which mm-hmm. is what we like our what our people have and right so for me to kind of come at it from where I stand mm-hmm. wouldn't do the actual problem justice right. because I've experienced it differently
0: yeah well I think one of the things when we talk about policing and just perspective is that um we have to address bias we do. in industries mm-hmm. and that's one of the things so um this week yesterday and today I was one, my my role in terms of like how I make a living um, is being a diversity and equity practitioner anti-racism facilitator and really at the corporate level so trying to drive institutional change so I've been able to make inroads with St. John Fisher College and so they invited me to do an implicit and unconscious bias workshop with their resident assistants yesterday and then today I was with um, faculty and staff from their library but also yeah. other faculty and staff and so one of the things that I'm I'm f- promoting more and more through, you know, our social media platforms and my personal platform is that we we continue to make space to have conversations about biases that we carry. Mm-hmm. All of us, even people of color, have been indoctrinated by the the paradigm of white supremacy culture, where you know you you have these inherent, almost automatic, like you see someone and you're like, oh, I wonder if they're making someone's someone Mexican and you just you don't even you think yeah. that they're Mexican or you're not thinking about like all of the whole diaspora of of Latinx um it's more than Mexican you know it's more than Puerto Rican yeah. and we tend to sometimes or you know someone has an accent so you're judging them for that and these all of these little things that we might say something or you might you don't intend it to be taken as you don't intend it to be negative but i as i was saying i think that part of it is being aware that we do have this yeah. and it is impacting how we're interacting with communities of color and their outcomes yeah so when you look at police brutality we look at the health we look at health care and how um people of color experience receive treatment or not um how in education, Black and Latino children are more often than not labeled as having a an intellectual disability and not getting a diagnosis of having being gifted, that is real. And I think for many people, I feel like because of the current rhetoric of the nation politically, many white people are almost like, oh my God, I didn't realize that there were so many people who, who had these implicit but in many times explicit view so i was just reading something on facebook the democratic chronicle posted an article that i think in illinois and michigan this white woman city council member blatantly said like on record publicly like we want to keep our community white she said it like during a city council meeting and people in the comments are like shocked and stunned and i'm like well we wouldn't still be having we are having these conversations all the time where have you been living? And yeah. so it's it's interesting because I think that, to me, so I'm happy that organizations are booking me to have these <laughs> conversations. Let's keep it very real. But it also is like, when, as I was telling someone today, like I'm a young adult. I'm going to be 33 years old in December when my next birthday comes around. And I'm like, I'm having these conversations. I would never have dreamed that I would be in this world that I'm in and doing the work that I'm doing
1: yeah. when I was
0: like in college and high school. It's your path though. And <laughs> I'm like, it's also like, well, so many other great, amazing people are passing away, the Toni Morrison's of the world, and people who are less prolific than her have been talking about this for decades. And here I am, like, almost like, like, I'm not creating this content new. This is the same... She inf- was talking about this 40 years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I take that as a privilege and an honor to be able to continue this work, but also I feel like the fact that so many people are, like, it's eye-opening for them. It's almost, like, yeah. a little scary for me. I don't know if I'm, like, rambling.
1: No, you're not. It's It's a conversation <clears throat> that you're right a lot of people and a lot and i don't want to paint everybody with a broad stroke Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of um white people having this conversation now and you see a lot of good people like trying to have the conversation Mm -hmm. they may not know how to have the conversation but i think the key thing to take away from that is that they want to there's still a lot of what they need to learn but i think one key thing is that like 20 years 10, twenty years ago 10 years ago, mm-hmm. a lot of people would still kind of like die on the hill racism doesn't exist, racism doesn't exist, right. Every, like nobody this doesn't exist, I don't know what you're talking about mm-hmm. but now it's it's at the forefront, it, it's alive and well, um, mm-hmm. white rage in the midwest is, is rampant, we've mm-hmm. seen what they're capable of doing mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people, a lot of good people are afraid to kind of talk about it because they're like, "Okay, well, I don't want my privilege to kind of come out and, right. but I think it's it's awful that we still have to have the conversation it's It's yeah. still awful that we're not surprised by a, a, someone in government saying, "Oh, we should say, wait, we're not surprised by things the president says anymore." Mm-hmm. The important thing to not just be completely disheartened is to say, "You know what? we're having this conversation
0: yeah. because
1: honestly like." To exist is a gift, but in that existence is struggle. So, right now, we are at a completely different place in history Mm -hmm. than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. So, the important thing is the struggle. Like, right now, we're all struggling. This is absolute poop, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but there are good people having the conversation.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, you're like saying some like such prolific things. It's Uh, okay. (laughs) Um, So I'm just getting some paper here. But um, one of the things that I think is, like, I'm not surprised by it, but what I am sort of like the Donald Trump being elected into the president's office, I feel has emboldened this base of, like, white supremacy in a way that is new in my my adult life. Well,
1: nobody has been in the public eye blatantly blatantly saying the things that he's saying. Everything was hidden behind a veil. Everything was in the shadows. Mm -hmm. You knew corruption was there. You knew these thoughts were there, but it was always kind of hush-hush. Racism is out and about in 2019 and it's going to continue being a, a prevalent part of our society for years to come. I think it's important that we take away hey, like, this exists it's important to not look back it's important to say how are we going to stop this, how are we as a society going to come and be above this Mm -hmm. if we look at history and the time of what it was, America was never great great for who? Great for white people, Mm -hmm. but it's never, and ultimately that is the rhetoric that they're saying, we're at this key point in history where we can say all right, well this absolutely sucks, but what are we going to do about it, and from there we're going to have this whole new society, this whole new like era where we're able to kind of say, all right, progress is showing through these cracks, and you can see it. Mm-hmm. You can see progress through the cracks that we're experiencing as a society. We're seeing a lot more light towards the trans community. We're seeing a lot more light towards school districts and how they're educating um, inner-city youth, how they're educating suburban children, and how can we correlate the two. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's absolutely disheartening what's happening in our culture today. Mm-hmm. But it's honestly like you have to you have to just stay strong and just have the hard conversations. Mm-hmm. Talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't know how to have the conversation, just say, "Hey, let's let's go get coffee, like Yo. let's let's talk this over." And I right. really think that that's Rochester is amazing because you do see that a lot more than other cities. By Yo. no means are we a perfect city, but you Yo. do have people having the hard conversations.
0: Yeah. Or I think we at a place where they're like willing to to admit that I mean, there has been a lot of progress made. Yes. I mean, and we don't want to, we want to acknowledge that we have to because you have to keep your, like literally your, your mental sanity and emotional sanity. Mm-hmm. One of the things that as we've, this summer there's been so much violence. So violence locally, violence, in, intrapersonal violence, like in the, in, in Chicago, in Rochester, like, almost every week with there being a, a shooting gang, whatever it is, we we know that in the black community and in, in, in communities of color, the root cause is poverty, you know, systemic poverty, endemic poverty. Hi! Hey, hey. How are you? I'm you what I'm for What's that? I'm telling you what I'm looking for in one second. Okay. Calvin Eden? Yes, I'm Calvin. Oh, okay. I'm Earl. Brandon from Brookhouse. Oh, from yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. great, yes. Um, we're gonna can, can you we... give me like ten minutes? Yeah, I'll put okay. just put it on my and come back in. Thank Not you. Yeah, no problem. Yes, it's real, real real time here folks listening. So, <laughs> um, I forget what I was saying.
1: No, uh, you were saying how in Rochester they're having a time. The violence, yes, yeah, the violence, violence. And talking
0: about um, and violence nationally in terms of so, several mass shootings this summer, and the most recent one, and I hate that we even have to say this, is, you know, this white supremacist um, being emboldened in Texas, El Paso, and one of the things that's just so concerning is that in this conversation, immigration, immigration is such a broad issue, but again, the, 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 the white supremacist base has distilled it to, like, Mexican. Like, it's almost become synonymous with Mexican or Hispanic. You know, it's about his Because oh. not, you know, and so...
1: It's the devil the, you can see. That's what they're aiming for. It's back when, it's whatever rhetoric is being used. Yeah. Like back during 9-11, it was the Middle M- Muslim, East. Muslim, yeah. But now the rhetoric that is being used because the president is so very short-sighted, all he can see is Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's the devil you can see. They're going to be targeting old things because it's, it, I don't know, it's it's such a difficult, difficult time. Um, mm-hmm. And it's basically, like, oftentimes people question, like, well, how did we let Hitler go mm-hmm. into, how did we let Hitler get into power? And it, it's just, these, these men play to the lowest common fear.
0: Right.
1: So when you have a fear, when you have, like, the Rust Belt, when you have all of these Like economic, not like these lower econom economies in the Midwest losing jobs, losing food. Dairy farmers just have the Mm -hmm. highest suicide rate.
0: Okay, so we're back. We had we took a little break. Um, So we were talking about just like playing to the lowest common fear in terms of like the immigration conversation, and it's it's it's. It's like people are literally saying that there's... Well, we don't want we don't want them to come into our country, and it's like. They're
1: not affected. The people effective.
0: forget about like so when we talk about Hispanics and just the Hispanic community, there's always been Hispanics in America. I mean, California, all of those states at one point was Mexico. Yeah. Before the United States took over Mexico, so it's just. To me, some of that is just, like, I was aware of it, but it's it's almost like, wow, like, you really see the severity, the the, the, the scope of these issues. And one of the things I refuse to do is, is be, be fearful, like, be afraid to, like, live your life. Um, oh,
1: I think it also goes to, like, lack of education, because I think a lot of people, even the ones that are fighting against immigration and undocumented immigrants coming into the country they're completely unaware of what's going to happen to our economy if if we don't allow obviously like uh people coming into work like are already we're having kind of food deficits Mm -hmm. within certain parts of the country and a lot of people aren't aware of what's happening Mm -hmm. but a lot of jobs that they say that these Undocumented immigrants are taking are jobs that are bottom of the barrel that yeah. need to get done, but they're they're not going to do. There's right. a lot of people that are that work extremely hard, put their children through school, and these these children go on to have successful like amazing careers. Mm-hmm. I myself am a product of two immigrants coming here, mm-hmm. my grandmother coming here and working their butts off completely, yeah. and and it's just kind of disheartening because a lot of times it comes from acts of desperation right. I myself lived in a third world country and um, I can't speak for all but it's just to do that is an act of desperation they don't understand the gang violence mm-hmm. the, the food shortages mm-hmm. ele- like electricity going out not being able to pay your food a lot of these people get paid $2 a month right. and it's a lot of issues that they also don't realize is that the United States government does a lot to these economies to ruin them. Like, if you ever want an example, like, look up the Chiquita Banana Scandal. Mm. That completely decimated my country's economy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do not understand that the problems that these people are running from are made by major powers that be. And it's not just the United States. Other European countries come in and just completely decimate the country as a whole mm-hmm. and it's just it's such a larger broader conversation you can't just say kick them out they have nowhere to go if they go yep. back they run the risk of getting killed That that person that got deported to iraq that was killed there has mm-hmm. been here his, his whole life mm-hmm. and it's just it's a lack of education and a lack of it, it the media is not being cognizant of what they are doing to the country right. and i never want to agree with Trump, but there is, there is kind of truth to saying the media is affecting how the world as a whole is seeing things. Mm -hmm. In a world where you only have three seconds to capture attention, Mm -hmm. why does, why does race baiting, a headline, be the thing that you get viewership Mm -hmm. for? Why does Trayvon Martin get an absolute awful headline for his mm-hmm, death mm-hmm. but the person who shot up el paso have shy quiet issues it's right. it's a broader broader conversation that mm-hmm. leads to immigration needs to a rhetoric change mm-hmm. uh, it's, and yeah, it's,
0: yeah. it's something that we have to continue to, to talk about and assess but also you know one of the things that i'm always talking about and even more so as you know you you're in community work and you're working with people and you're reading and you're Taking in a lot of this sort of this like negative news is also thinking about self-care and how can we care for ourselves, care for our mental health. So for you, just you know, especially having moved back and sort of getting started in the, with your with your current role and career, what are some things that you do to stay sane amongst a lot of this this madness <laughs> um, and um. just keeping yourself well, you know, holistically.
1: Um. You know what? It's Rochester is amazing. Mm-hmm. If you're bored in Rochester, you're not doing it right.
0: Yeah, there's always something <laughs> free, free to do. Yes. Honestly. Literally.
1: Oh my gosh, so many things. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'll plug in my grandmother, my abuela here. But yeah. She always said, in times like this, when things are just going absolutely south, you always got to look at the people going in. In mm. any awful situation, in any shooting, you got to look at the people who are putting themselves on the lines. Because there are a mm-hmm. lot of First responders during these mass shootings mm-hmm. who will put themselves on the line for for these people. There's a lot of awful things happening. There's a lot of conversations being had, but you got to look at the people doing the good.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I, I do volunteer a lot. I try to mm-hmm. in my brief time back here. Sure. And Rochester, I don't know. There's like certain days when it's not cloudy and raining that yeah. the light catches it just right, yep. and you're just like, "This is." We've this had is a beautiful
0: summer. I, mean, I talk about yeah. weather. Um, and I and I want to say that, but also, you know, global warming is real. Sustainability. We, there's fires in the Amazon, 4th I'm just reading about, yep. and um, just for the climate warming. And so, um, a lot of it's so interesting that we talk about all of these issues. And one of the things that we get a lot is that 540 is involved in so much. And mm. it's like, for me, as being sort of like a visionary and directing it all all of these issues are interrelated. So when we're yeah. talking about racism, we're talking about mental health, yeah. we're talking about, you know, um, microaggressions and the media, all of these things are impacting everything else. And we don't live, even though sometimes it feels like it, we can get this tunnel vision and it can seem like, but but everything is, like, I'm here because of you. You're here because of me. And um, sometimes it's easy to forget that. Like, we can't talk about these issues that we can't, And I love your your quote, progress is showing through the cracks because it takes everybody a multifaceted approach. Like it takes people talking about social justice because social justice is environmental justice. Mm -hmm. And um, all of these conversations talking about people immigrating and refugees coming to this country. And, you know, we know that because gentrification and people want to be in the city now but then now people are leaving the rural areas. So the rural areas now don't have as many, don't have as much of a population. So um, what's what's happening is that, you know, people are finding that in, in, in 40 years, some rural communities are not gonna have enough people to sustain them. And then the government is literally completely like ostracizing, why, one thing that I would love to see is like, why can't, there are there are places in the country where the government is paying people money to like a real improvement zone. Mm. Those can be areas where immigrants are placed yeah. to to bolster the economy. And so it's interesting mm. that racist policy. There's going to be an impact of this 15 years from now. Oh yeah. And it's it's you're you're hoping that people are like we need each other. It's a global economy and. Um, most people in this country who are coming from other places just want a better life. They're not criminals, and there are people like you and me who have families. Sometimes your family is here before you, who's laid roots for you, um, and people are just trying to support themselves and live better. And um, we want to. One of the things that I'm always thinking about is like seeing the humanity in each other, and I think if we if we stick there, we really can begin to. Not only continue to sort of like fight the devil, yeah. you know, but also see the progress that we're making. Um, yeah. And so, I, I think that when you talk about just volunteering, is a great way to do that. One of the things that I do, I'm a I'm a, I'm a reader, but I also take time for meditation. I I try to have days where I'm just like I'm not going to schedule things. I'm like just going to take a personal day. Yeah. Um, and off are often like, taking walks, doing yoga, or something I like practice a lot. Um, what are as we sort of wrap up our conversation? I always like to sort of end talking about books and literature, okay. and, and, and promoting reading. So I'm 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 still working on finishing up the book The Color of Law. By, oh, did
1: you see the speaker? He, yeah, so
0: he was here at Capstone, <laughs> Stone, brought him to Rochester in July. Um, the next up on my list is How to Be an Anti-Racist. By no, Ebrahim about- Zandi, which it's his, it's his, it's his new book. So he oh, wrote okay stamped from the beginning. It came out last week. Um, and what what are some of the recent books you've read <laughs> literature?
1: Um, I'm trying, uh, and I say trying, yeah, because it's pretty dense, but it's amazing. Yeah, You Are the Universe by Deepak Chopra. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's actually it's quite, it's really good. It's uh, he teamed up with this. Uh, astrophysicist to kind of say everything we are and actually, wow, well, it kind of goes with what you were saying is mm-hmm. connected, mm-hmm. but everything we are is a reality because we have made it and it's very scientific, like he goes into the Big Bang and like mm-hmm. what people were doing at the CERN with the Higgs-Boston um, particle, Yo. the God particle and it's really fascinating because you kind of read it you have to like put it down and you're just like wow mm. everything I know as a reality is actually not real <laughs> right,
0: right but
1: it's pretty good because it's very kind of like how can I view my reality as something that is interconnected with everything else who I am as a person is extremely important because my actions are my universe everything I am as a person it creates the universe around me mm-hmm. and it's amazing it's uh you you definitely want to watch some uh yeah. Physics videos after yeah. okay. that because you don't understand a lot of the terms. Yeah, but it's pretty good. That's wonderful. I like it.
0: Um, that's that's great. I'm I'm so glad we connected. This has been so great. I'm
1: I'm having a great time. Um,
0: so for <laughs> folks listening, you know, I don't know. Are you are you on social? Is that something
1: I can out, I am on social people, media. Can people like,
0: connect with you like on Twitter or Facebook?
1: You can follow me on uh, social media. I I follow. I do. Um, Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Um, you can either follow me at Laura and or, you know, I kind of have like a little photo Rochester blog project gone. Oh, so if nice. you want to follow
0: that too okay. it's uh, called in the city of flowers so okay give me a follow that's really cool <laughs> um but those of you who are listening so more than ism extra we have the original more than ism is our radio show which is every friday at 2 p.m mm-hmm. um, we've been sort of on a summer hiatus but it'll come back next week august 30th um so it's 100.9 wxir as the station you can also find it online if you're not if you're not local Um, But next, we'll get back into the swing of the radio show every week. And then, with an extra, is just sort of like um, additional content. But also, we're building our membership model here at 540. So, we're using the Patreon platform. And um, for as little as $1 a month, people can subscribe. Um... And support a, a small grassroots university in the, in the community um, grow. And the great thing about the model is that it sounds like a dollar isn't going to do much, but if five hundred people give a dollar mm-hmm. every month, that's five hundred extra dollars that we have in our budget. So um, we have multiple multiple tiers, um, and but but even if it's just two dollars, that helps us to sustain and grow. But one of the things that people who subscribe at higher levels are able to get this content not only blogs that we write and guest writers but also more than is of extra for our monthly members so um if you're listening you're already a member um but you can share with other people patreon.com slash 540westmain and follow our website 540westmain.org our our facebook is is the backslash 540west so it's stylized w main m-a-i-n um our twitter instagram and all of that is on there um, I'm so happy to connect with Laura, and I just feel like um, we, we made a new connection recently on social media, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to following you and staying connected and seeing how we can maximize our, our gifts in the world and, and not only affect change here locally, but when you're affecting change locally, you're affecting change through the rest of the world. Like, I love that you are the universe. You so are the wonderful. universe. Um, so thank you so much for being with us thank you for and me. thank you all for listening wherever you are in the world remember that you are the universe and um, you can be the change that you wish to see in the world so okay. until next time we'll be back thank you for listening bye